Welcome to episode 74 of Square Waves FM. Today we have a topic for once, and we're not going to be flying by the seat of our pants. We're going to be talking about uh, games on the road. Basically, games that you can replay while traveling. So there's going to be a bit of nostalgia involved, and we're going to talk about our recent travel experience to Winnipeg, as well as talk about any upcoming travel that we may have, and, well, that's about it. I'm your host, Bianca. With me is my loyal minion and co-host, I'm not that loyal. <laughs> Test me. Hi, guys. Nice to be talking to you. I hope you've had a good couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, let's get to it. Apologies if last week's show I put the music in the background too loud. I did it just as kind of an experiment, and I don't think it really added any value, so I'm not going to be doing that anymore. So sorry about that if it made it harder to listen to. So, uh, a couple of things that I wanted to uh, talk about that were in the news. One of them is a service called PS Now, PlayStation Now, um, which has been a service for PlayStation consoles that allows you to subscribe uh, monthly and play streaming games. So, kind of a la Netflix, where you don't have the game installed on your computer, but you play it in real time with your gamepad. It doesn't uh, download the game files, it just streams the video and you control the streaming video, interestingly enough. enough. Kind of similar to uh, OnLive. It uses the Gaikai competing service that used to be a competitor to OnLive until it defeated it and OnLive went out of business. So um, PS Now is coming to PC and it's gonna be $20 a month or $45 for three months. And it has PlayStation 3 games, not yet PlayStation 4 games. No no PlayStation 2, I gather? I don't think so. Which would have been nice, since uh, you can only play those on a PC uh, emulated. Yeah. I don't even know if there's an emulator for PlayStation 3 for PC. I've never really looked. Might be too powerful of a machine to emulate right now. Mm -hmm. So 20 bucks a month. Uh, It's not cheap, but it's not expensive either. I guess if you play a lot of games... It might be something worthwhile. I would try it for a month. In fact, it's not released yet, but they said there is going to be a seven-day free trial. Hmm, I'd even try it for that. Nine. It'd be interesting to see what uh, sort of game selection they have. It would be, and it'll be interesting to see if playing a game with streaming video uh, performs well. I did try... I haven't seen it for a long time, but Sony used to use their Gaikai service uh, for game demos, which was a smart idea, I thought. Instead of downloading and installing a multi-gigabyte demo... You just press one button and it starts streaming the game to you and you can play it right in your web browser, including in full screen. And I found, between OnLive and my little experience with Gaikai, I found that if you're playing a game that uses the mouse and keyboard, or especially the mouse, you really feel the lag. But if you play with a gamepad, you don't really notice as much, if at all. Mm, Probably because there's already uh, lag input. Oh, hello Toronto Airshow. Whoopity doo da. I guess so, we've got some of that stuff to look forward to today. That was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well. Did they break the sound barrier? I don't know. <laughs> well, you did in the bathroom. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the air show is part of the uh, CNE, which 
We're not, we the want Canadian, to go to the but Canadian National Exhibition, yeah, which is just our annual to, exhibition. But parking is excruciatingly expensive, and public transportation is lacking in that general direction. Yeah, that sucks. I get a discount for this event from work. Mm-hmm. It's like twelve dollars a ticket instead of eighteen dollars a ticket. It's just like the big civic exhibition thing that they have every summer with food stands and shows and that they kind of stuff. They have everything there. They've got all sorts of pavilions. Rides. They have actual exhibitions. They have. They bring in farm animals. The food pavilion is what you really go for because that's where they uh, showcase like really bizarre, trendy foods. Really of course, you can get your uh, tried and true favorite carnival foods like, uh, what is that, fennel cake or funnel cake? Ew, fennel cake. That oh. sounds healthy. <laughs> How dare you? I know. It's really good, especially dust with sugar. I didn't get anything else on it the last time I went. Oh, man. Funnel oh, cake, I know. so good. Funnel cake is just fried dough with tons of sugar on it. You can get it with ice cream. But why? I know. It's, it's so, so sweet, you can't even taste the ice cream, so there's no points. So yeah, and all the ice cream does is just make it soft and mushy. Yeah. Like my husband. Oh. <laughs> yes. So, alas, we're not going this year. Or any year. <laughs> At this rate. You went with your dad the other year. Yeah. Because he to decided to drive and park. Ugh, and I do, and his idea of parking sometimes means walking for a while. Okay, you he'll go on the side streets and manage to find some obscure place where they won't ticket you. Right. Whereas but we be are prepared less for like, a lot of walking. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with a few parking areas near the 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 C and E grounds, and uh, they are not nearby by any stretch. Nope. And uh, you, and they actually the uh, entrance is at something that's called. Which people often mistakenly refer to as the princess gates when I mean, it's actually the prince's gates. Like, possessive. princes possess, it's prince possessive. Yeah. It's just a little fact about the city for those of you who may not have known but have, may have heard of these gates. It's one of those weird things. Anyways, I am going off too far. Why don't you take us back on topic? We have a topic? I don't know. Your ass is a topic. My ass is a topic. You want to talk about my ass? Yeah, it's not in the toilet seat. Yeah. You went. Oh my gosh! Let's get out of this toilet humor, jeez. You got a one-track mind today, baby. No, I don't. Yeah. So, what else? Oh, I just had you take a look at something which you <laughs> perused very half-assedly. I was hoping to just ask your honest opinion about this. Um, uh, I watched you watch it, and it was utterly disgusting. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. This, what we're talking about is an article that I read recently about a new game coming out called Dead or Alive. VR. So Dead or Alive is a fighting game like Street Fighter, and there was a spin-off game. It's it's known for having like sexy women with big boobs amongst other maybe it's just sexy women with big boobs fighting. I don't know. I never played it. And then they had a spin-off game where they play beach volleyball and they're all in bikinis and they bounce a lot and they have the most like earth gravity defying boob physics that kind of stuff. It's just like a, Why it's can't a, a game just have game. normal boob physics? I mean Yes, they bounce, but they're but it's more of like a buoyancy bounce as opposed to giant balloons hanging off your chest. Yeah, they, these are like helium grade, <laughs> like clown balloons, mm-hmm. basically. So the newest game in this series, or the upcoming game in this series, they're calling Dead or Alive VR. I don't even know what kind of a game it is, whether it's a volleyball game or a fighting game or what. If it's a volleyball game, would be fun in VR, I suppose, if you can move around. But uh, whatever part of it. Uh, they wrote this article about it. Was it in Gadget that wrote? Then Gadget wrote an article about this. I'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, some part of this game just involves uh, you, the player, having some kind of like a floating implement in the world, and you get to like poke some sexy woman who says no, no, 
And that's about it. That's the whole thing. So, so basically, she says no, and you can ignore her, which is completely repulsive. Sends the wrong message, and utterly degrades women. Pretty in much. In this case, pretty much makes me go, why didn't they just put all the women in burkas in this game? Huh? Why didn't they just make all the women fly-chested and cover them from head to toe Muslim style? Oh, burkas. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that would be inconsistent with the theme of the series. True, but... I'm just saying, in general, they should... I'm just saying, instead of having scantily clad women, can't they actually just dress them and you know, make them look like normal women wearing normal clothing instead of these little stringy bikinis that cover absolutely nothing, leave right. nothing to the imagination? Well, many games do, but this series does not. That's that's part of its signature style. So this is what I wanted to talk to you about anyway. And uh, listeners, we'd love to get your opinion on this as well. Is this wrong? Basically, it enables you... As this, like, disembodied, I don't know what, not even a hand. I don't think you can do anything other than, like, move this this object around and, like, smack it into a woman, and she says no. But you can, like, nudge her and, like, bounce her boobs with it and stuff. Virtualized sodomy and a sexual assault. It's utterly disgusting, and, and, this, they should, and this company should be ashamed of themselves for even having this in the game. It's one thing to have consensual sexual intercourse in a game where both parties are clearly, invo- clearly volunteering to do this. But this is one on. This is you, the player, sexually harassing this woman who says no, but has but that shows absolutely no evidence of fighting back. So you can't take her seriously, which conveys the message that when a woman says no, she actually doesn't care that you're harassing her. That's basically what this conveys. Yes, it's completely disrespectful, and this is not me. And this is not me being a feminist. This is me being a human being saying this. Everyone is entitled to their personal space, regardless of what they look like. Even in a public sphere, you you can be you should have you you can't expect a certain amount of personal space. Like I mean, if someone bumps into you, that's it's bound to happen. But deliberately reaching over and touching you in your personal space, that's completely different. Okay. Because I mean, if you're in a crowded area and you're not you're standing sh- shoulder to shoulder, yes, it's crowded, but you're not being, but it's not, but you made, but you willingly entered there. But if someone's to reach up and grab you somewhere. Then yes, they're entering your personal space. Yeah, this game does not convey a crowded area. You are the you are crowding this person, and there's only two of you in a big wide open space. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even it's not even clear whether this is the intent of what's going on. It just shows it's like a little tech demo. So I don't even know if this is going to be in the game or what exactly. If it was just not intended to be this, it was supposed to be just like a charming little thing, like she's aware of you being there. I don't think she really reacts. I don't remember if she actually reacts to where you touch her. She just kind of says no and steps away. It's not even... I don't even know if it's intended to be a sexual thing or not, but that's how the person playing it kind of uh, toys with it. So, personally, I'm okay with this. This doesn't bother me. The reason why is that it's fantasy. It's not a real person. True, but um, there are people who can't who might not make adequate differentiation between fantasy and reality, and may use it and may not have adequate social skills to trans to uh, know when to uh, accept a person's boundaries, not boundary step. Whereas this, whereas this is encouraging boundary stomping, saying that you know if a woman says no, you can continue touching her even if she says no, because all she's going to do is back away. But you can until so you can eventually just back her into a corner. That's what it's saying to me. And now, let's imagine for a second this is a guy, touch, and, a, and uh, a guy, you're a guy, and the, the, this avatar is a guy. You know, most people would say, hey, if a guy tells, backs away and tells you not to touch him, you respect his fucking space. 
but because it's a female avatar, people are probably not going to react the same way. Oh, it's just a woman. Yeah, I agree. That it's objectifying. I agree that that's how society would probably deem it. Mm-hmm. But because this is fantasy, I am 100% okay with this. I feel like fantasy... Well, so this is the whole argument, right, with it, like, uh, the NRA makes about violent video games, right? They're saying guns... Sorry. They're saying guns are fine. It's people. It's people who are influenced by media, etc. It's the media's fault. It's the people's fault. It's not the fault of guns or whatever. I'm, I'm probably putting their argument wrong. But they're saying that guns are not they're a problem, that, right? They say the gun is a tool, and it went and if it just sits there on the table, it's not actually doing anything. It's the person handling the gun who used the gun that caused the gun to shoot something. Okay, sure. Yes. The gun is simply a medium. Right. So, um, they they the NRA is very much very vocal against violent video games. They're saying that violent video games are the reason why people shoot people, or one reason why people shoot other people. So they are saying that some people cannot differentiate between fantasy and reality, and that's why the fantasy shouldn't exist for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the statistics show that a lot of people play violent video games, and not a lot of people make real-world violence. Mm-hmm. So is that also the case for sexual things, as it is with Well, there's violence? a lot of cultural... Uh, there, well, with sexual things, there's a lot of cultural influences that exist outside of uh, mainstream media. That's right. And, and I think the, it doesn't the, mean as much the, in Japan where this game is made, right? They, they have their own cultural norms. Yeah. But this game in North America might be received differently because there's still a lot of misogynistic attitude towards women. And so they were like, okay, this video game shows it's okay, and so why aren't real real women acting like this? Because in the hands, as I'm thinking, what if what this means in the hands of adolescent males who may get some of their sexual information from pornography sure. and, and get the wrong idea? I'm not saying that they shouldn't have it. I'm just saying that, it, that our culture precipitates these wrong impressions and leads to misogyny, sexual harassment, and other... Uh, forms of boundary stomping. I agree. Would you agree, though, that the the target audience for a game like this uh, is probably, there's probably some overlap with the target audience of Grand Theft Auto? Probably. I mean, it's one thing to look. I have no problem with people who look at the female form. And you're human, you're gonna look. There's nothing wrong with looking. No one gets hurt when you look. Sure, but who gets hurt from fantasy? Well, if you're in a relationship and you have, a, and if you enter a relationship with fantasy presumptions, you wind up hurting your potential partner because you may have these preconceived notions and you try to translate those into reality thinking that uh, this is how it works if you haven't had any previous relationships. And so you can end up hurting someone indirectly if you have preconceived notions coupled with what you may have been raised to believe, especially if you come from a household where the... Uh, where there's where it's very patriarchal, which is common in most in uh, many conservative areas of the United States and Canada. Okay. Where the, so so where, what you're saying then is that it's potentially harmful for immature people. Yes, 
who may not have developed a proper sense of boundaries when it comes to their fellow human beings, may not have a full appreciation of sexuality in, in a fantasy sense versus reality. Mm-hmm. I'm, there's nothing wrong with fantasy. Everyone's allowed sexual fantasies. It's just that I don't feel I feel that this game should should not be easily accessible, and there should be it should be clear that through a message of some sort that this is not supporting any sort of uh, sexual assault, and that this is strictly fantasy. But okay. It doesn't sound like there is, and they make no. They and the game doesn't make any indication that there, that this uh, girl, this female avatar's boundaries have been stomped. She may say no, but she, but her body language is very dem, dem, demure, and taken into account in more aggressive societies like in Europe and in North America, it's it's very it's not as assertive as when when a woman here says no, like when she really means it. It could be construed that the body language of this fantasy woman is like playing hard to get not actually meaning no is that what you mean yes mm-hmm. because in, in which japan, may not be realistic yeah whereas in japan where this is made this is probably what they would when a girl says no like this they're very submissive which appears to be uh demure for the, the japanese male this is probably this is how they understand a woman to say no when she just backs away and says no yeah just because they phrase things in a more gentle way in that society so maybe yes, being forceful is frowned upon mm-hmm even for males, it's frowned upon. Sure. I and mean, it's a very it's, Japanese game. And it has some text in Japanese that I can't read. So it says something. Who knows what it says? Maybe it does have a disclaimer or something. Mm-hmm. But as far as I can tell, it's just a tech demo for now. I don't know if it's is actually the game. But there is a recording of someone being kind of sleazy, using it in a sleazy way. I don't know if they're being serious or not. I guess it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's what made me think what happens if someone immature were to uh, use this and to get more information, derive the wrong information from this, especially in uh, certain states in the, United, in the U.S. where sexual education is repressed to the point where it's abstinence only. Right. Because, I mean, and then this is their message. So, yes, it becomes harmful. Even if the person themselves wouldn't be, aren't actually intending to be harmful, they interpret this and they take it into their own mind as, as, as acceptable conduct. So then should creative, uh, should uh, creative publications like this one be censored if the state does not fund proper education? It shouldn't be censored. But there should be information that shows up that cannot be bypassed with a simple click. That sounds like a fine line to me from censorship. Like you, you can still do it, but you have to wait like thirty seconds. And there's a message that 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 has to be, that's read, and then you have to get, scroll to the bottom and you enter. And to acknowledge what you read, there's like a sequence. Like you have to press like three buttons on your controller in a certain sequence to determine show that you actually went through and you read it. Okay. Because I mean, because I mean, if it's a game and you're gonna have to bypass stuff anyways by pressing buttons, who says that reading one screen where you have to press certain buttons at, at once you get to once you waited like X number of seconds is going to be is censorship? Because you can still play the game. It's thirty seconds, and then once you acknowledged it, you can enter your world. World of Warcraft. There's loading screens, and they have all sorts of messages on those loading screens, including take everything in moderation, including World of Warcraft. Right. Like they tell you right on the screen to take it in moderation. Mm hmm. They tell you all sorts of things on the screen like that. Yep, this is true. Because there's nothing wrong with the game developer posting, like, or let's see, for example, what else? Life is Strange. On the opening screen, they post this game may cause seizures. If because of the flashing lights and this is purely uh, fiction, like they post messages about 
the content. So I don't see how alerting someone to the fact that there that this is fantasy and should not be taken to be uh, true is not a stretch, since okay. other games have posted messages to this degree. That's true. Those are reflections of the society in which they're published as well. Mm-hmm. He's saying that something is a work of fiction is not, or to say that this is not reality. So, the message here: do not take this to the real world or anything like that. I guess I'm frustrated I mean, that we're not beyond that yet. Video true. games have been out for what thirty, forty years. Hey, on television they still have "Don't do this at home." Yeah, that's just. We our... have also consider most appliances. There are warnings for like, don't put your iron in the underwater. Yeah, don't right. put your toaster hanging up off the balcony when it's ten degrees out and raining. I mean, yeah, don't put the curling iron in your mouth. I know. So I mean, we're not beyond this yet. People are stupid, and they will do stupid shit. So having a message did not did not censor anything. It merely it has the publisher acknowledge that there is this certain thing that exists, and they and they want to show that they that they want to still have their creative that they still have their creativity, but they acknowledge that there's this sensitive part of it. Okay, so would you say that having a disclaimer like that absolves the designers from any other moral uh, questionable material? Because they do warn you. Mm-hmm. Well, there is personal responsibility, and I think, and people do need. And for people, who? For the player or for the developers? For the player, mm-hmm. because I mean, nobody's holding a gun to their head to make them play this game. Nobody's holding a gun to their head to make them do anything. And so, if there's a message on there that that reminds these people that this is fantasy and not reality. They're, the, 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 play, the developer has done their part. They have acknowledged this stuff, and they have made the player aware of it. Mm-hmm. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right, right. Okay. And, yeah, so, I mean, I, I I understand, you know, that this stuff will become reality, but at the same time, I understand, I just feel that uh, there's these other things that need to be considered, and we don't, and our culture overall isn't mature enough for this yet. Maybe not. I mean, there's been games like this since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, they weren't as widespread, but... Um, I know. That's nostalgic. Anatoly, hey, buddy. He uh, had, a, he had a, a podcast episode with uh, Natalie uh, Rizolka about sexy games from the DOS days. So, it's not... They weren't even just a one-off thing. They were quite popular. Mm-hmm. So it's something, you know, technology and sex have gone together for a long, long time. True, but they weren't, it wasn't as widespread or common. We're now, technology is much more accessible, it's much more widespread, and it's, and it's much, and it's very mainstream. So you have a lot of people who may not have previously cared about technology or games suddenly doing it, because for a long time, games were associated with being a nerd, not with, uh, not with being an everyday hobby. Right. But when I say technology, I don't even mean computers. I've never been able to confirm this, but one of my college professors made the claim that the first subscription magazine was, like, a gentleman's magazine. I don't know if it was pornography, but it was, like, saucy and, like, ribald and kind of blue. So um, that's another example of, like, the technology of transportation serving people. They don't have to go to a store to do this stuff. Instead, because they can they can, they can, can have it delivered to them and no one has to judge them, then they can do things that they might not otherwise do in public. Mm-hmm. So that's just another, another example of mm-hmm. technology. I mean, I think there's even been pa- cave paintings of naked women. 
Yes. That's, a, that's Those an example. Are Techno- it, that's it, technology. It, it's the ability to record your thoughts on something true. permanent. But was anybody harmed in that? Could they? Because who can say? Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's possible. Yes or no. It's possible, but it might have put ideas in someone's head. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But, maybe the women do it themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of of writing and publication, though, right? To put ideas in other people's heads. Mm-hmm. The right to put ideas in people's heads, but people should also be responsible for how they take those ideas. Of course, should be, but you can't force them to be. No, but so, the, the law for that can, reason, yeah. For the, that's why we have law that says, okay, you can have ideas, but here's what happens if you do those certain things, where there's greater harm than uh, not. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I fear. If there's going to be much of a backlash about this game, what I fear is that they will try to set a precedent by banning such a thing from being sold. And if that happens, then it won't be the end of it because you can't stifle pornography. You can't stifle that kind of stuff. It will just go underground. It will be less regulated. It'll be there anyway, even if there's, even if this stuff is for sale. Nothing will stop the indie scene from doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think society needs to accept it. They have to accept the place of this in the human psyche. It. They have to accept it, and they have to be more open about sexuality and move beyond the hee-hee-hee, she has boobies. Yes, I think that something like this would help that. It would be accepting that this is a basic human need that, we, rep- that we repress for moralistic reasons, Moral be- morals being like a, an artificial human construct. It's mm. something that we pretend nobody has when, in fact, everybody has it. Yep. So I'm but concerned that they're going to censor this thing, and then that will set a precedent for other mm-hmm. sorts of games, what's acceptable to be made or not, and things will be incorrectly classified, and all that whole sliding, slippery slope thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, I understand. I, I completely understand why you don't believe in censorship. That's why I'm like, that's why I, I advocate the, uh, here's a screen. Here's the message on the screen. Now you Now it's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's just like the the ESRB and PEGI ratings on games. Mm-hmm. Those are also warnings for people to make informed decisions, but they're also disclaimers so that uh, a store, for example, won't get in trouble for selling something. They can say they warn people. Yep. I mean, most of the, most game stores already will, if, will card you if you don't look to be of age. In some countries they do, yes. Yeah, Canada, U.S. are two of the countries that will do Yeah, that. England, all the European countries, I'm pretty sure. Maybe not all, but many. Mm-hmm. That's the intent of the those ratings, at least. But it's for parents, too, because parents can say, I have a mature kid. I will buy this R-rated movie or something for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess education and disclaimers and warnings. Yeah, because we... Because I mean, you can do it, but people need to be. Inf- but people need more information because we're not at the stage where we have that information readily available. Or if we do get it, there's not much. There's not always a lot of it, and you're fighting a lot of preconceived notions, a lot of uh, pre, a lot of uh, attitude that still haven't been bred out. Attitude that have have a place in 1950, not 2016. Mm-hmm. It's true. But that's why I'm because yeah. otherwise his look for example at uh, Brock Turner he just got released oh right that's he, piece of shit yeah that piece of Rapist. shit just got released yeah 
and yet, and uh, he barely got a slap on the hand for assaulting a woman. And, and yeah, he game. raped a woman. He raped yeah. an unconscious yeah. woman, and he's out of jail after three months. I think he's just free to go, mm-hmm. which I don't quite understand. He has probation and all this other... I know he's to be a registered sex offender, but he's not in jail. Yeah, I don't quite understand this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what just an example of... Uh, that, that that an entitled attitude that some males derive from how they're raised and the uh, sexual attitudes that surround masculinity and how men can be forceful and take what they want. Even, But we're still working on uh, getting men to recognize... Some men to recognize, because others are already recognized that women are uh, human beings, not just sexual creatures. Mm-hmm. But that'll come once a lot of the uh, people who are raised with these attitudes are no longer around. And well, we'll never eliminate. We'll never eliminate uh, unenlightened people. The best you true. can do, I think, is just lead to by have example. a majority of people who at least understand with personal responsibility, understand boundaries, and that human beings are just that people. They're not just because you have just because you you have a binary set of genitals between your legs doesn't mean you're you uh, aren't entitled to uh, respect. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And so once we reach that point, then virtual reality games. Where you can out live out your sexual fantasies won't be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. I think um, it's the responsibility of children to grow up smarter than their parents ever were. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that means to be exposed to new things and to be permissive about and to allow different sorts of uh, speech to be published that was not permitted previously. That's mm-hmm. that's my honest belief. I think yep. free speech makes people smarter. <laughs> yes, it does. Because even if it's stuff that you don't want to hear, mm-hmm. it makes you think about it. Just like this. Yep. Yeah. I don't agree with it. I, I don't think it's right, but I'm not going to censor it. I just believe that there should people should be uh, made aware of the cons- of uh, what they're being exposed to and that this is, doesn't reflect reality. Yeah. Because some people aren't, are unable to make that differentiation. And so with that... I agree. And yeah, so we'd love to hear, uh, audience, we'd love to hear your take on that situation. Is uh, there a place in society or in in some societies, perhaps, for a product like this? And is virtual reality interactive uh, activities like this, should that be classified differently than other media, than movies or simpler video games, for example? Yeah, so let us know. All right, so before we go into what we uh, played this this past couple of weeks, we have a letter from our dear friend and uh, loyal listener, Avi Hayun. So good to hear from you, Avi. Shall I read it? Yes, you shall. All right. Avi says, uh, hello. I haven't been in touch for a long time now. Hope everything is square. It is. Okay. Wanted to play Jones in the Fast Lane with my wife and couldn't manage to run the game with speech. I can run the old version. I can run the CD version, but I can't manage to run the CD version with speech, which is sorely missed. You talked fondly about this game, and I remember you saying that you play it with Bianca from time to time. 
Did you manage to run it with speech? And if so, how? I used ScumVM to run it. I might manage to run it with speech if I install a virtual machine with Windows 95, but that's too much of a hassle. If you find a technical solution, I would appreciate the tip. And by the way, I found this game online with speech in a beautiful version here. And he gives a link to a web-based version of so the game. So why don't you tell our nice listeners about your response to Abby? Oh, man. So I read uh, three quarters of Avi's email. And then I'm like, oh, I know this great web-based version which has speech. So I'll just write a whole email about that. I finish writing that email. Then I read the last, the last like three sentences of the email. I'm like, oh crap, he already knows about this thing. So I deleted my whole email and then responded back to him. <laughs> Basically, I told him that uh, growing up, the only version of Jones in the Fast Lane I ever played was the floppy version, which had no speech. I didn't even know there was a CD version with speech uh, for a long time, for it, probably a decade at least. Um, never really considered a board game benefiting from multimedia, I suppose. Even though I did see uh, some nice versions of Monopoly, for example, which had like animations and lots of character and stuff like that uh, on CD-ROM. Regardless, um, my recommendation for this, and yeah, ladies and gents in the audience, if you have any recommendations for this particular game, please uh, let uh, us know and we'll uh, pass it along to Avi. We'll mention it on the show. Um, I took a look at ScumVM's website, and they said that Jones in the Fast Lane is not fully supported on their emulator. It does work, as he says, but just not with not with speech, which is peculiar. I don't know, I don't know why that's such a hard problem to solve, but they must do something unique. So uh, my recommendation is to try to play the game via DOSBox. Uh, put the CD in the drive, and uh, mount your CD drive as the type CD-ROM within DOSBox and just run the installer in there, I have a feeling that's going to work fine. And also, as Avi mentions, if you have VMware or VirtualBox, uh, install Windows 95 or even as late as Windows XP, I believe, will run it. Maybe not XP. If you have a 32-bit version, maybe XP will run it. But I think probably Windows 95 or 98 or ME are probably the latest versions of Windows that you could install. Put those in... Uh, VMware or VirtualBox, and it should play it as if it were the native version. But I have a feeling that the easiest way to do it would be through DOSBox. So give that a try. So thank you very much for writing to us, uh, Avi. We're very happy to hear from you. Yes, thank you very much for the letter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why don't we chat a little bit about what we've been playing lately. Um, the list is pretty short this time because uh, on Tuesday... Legion launch. So we've been uh, leveling our characters in World of Warcraft. Yeah, this is the latest World of Warcraft expansion that we've been looking forward to for some time now and have pre-ordered for some time. So we've been playing no shortage of World of Warcraft since Tuesday. So I'm level 110, which is a new uh, level cap. Yeah, you did it. And I am 107. So I'm getting there, and we're in we're in no hurry to get through this content. We're playing it slowly Ugh. and reading everything. I'm one ten, and I am and I am I'm drowning in quest. I have never had this problem before of being drown of drowning in quest. Yeah, there were how many? Uh, there's how many leveling zones? Uh, Five or six? I think there's six. Uh, I have quested three zones. I have class quest. I have I have main story quest. I have so many. Qu my quests have quest. 
<laughs> it's nice to have all the option of what to do. You know, if you have yeah. a whole bunch of quests, it means you can just go ahead and do whichever one you want. That's an important uh, new feature of this expansion, by the way. Usually in, exp in an expansion, there's five or six leveling zones, as there are now, and those leveling zones are appropriate to specific levels. In the last expansion, for example, that raised the level cap from 90 to 100, there was like a, a zone for levels 90 to 92 and a zone for 92 to 95, etc., up to, and then there's a zone especially for level 100 only. Um, in this expansion, so far anyway, of these five or six leveling zones, you can go to them in any order, and whatever level you are, that's the level of the content. Mm -hmm. So it kind of levels up with you, similar to Oblivion and Skyrim, how yeah. they do that. More Oblivion However, than Skyrim. However, Siramar, which is the final zone for this, seems to be tied to being one to be from 108 starting up it seems to open up at 108 so it is meant mm. to be when you get to the end of your stuff okay that's good to know so at least it's at one higher zone and but all the others are open to uh any order mm -hmm. so that's nice because invariably what happens is you make a few characters and you have to do that expansion pack a few times and if you have to start in the same zone every single time it gets really tedious you start to hate that you start, yeah. You start in the same in the same zone every time you do that expansion. So being able to start in any zone you want is brilliant. Mm -hmm. and I kind of hope that they transition that to the rest of the whole game. You can do the zones in any order. Yeah. Because there's not that much story continuity from one zone to the next. In rare occasions, you'll find that. Yeah. The only place I've really seen any continuity is in this so-called starting zone. It's like there's a uh, there's some. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The very, very, like, where you start at level one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Usually the first three zones have some continuity. I know some... Not thing, that much. Not that not much. Not much, but, it's, but, it's, but it ties it together. It does. Not so much, though, that I, I, I feel like they could still do this. They could implement this for, like, the whole game. Like, you do whatever zone you want in whatever order you want. Mm -hmm. Or at least grouped into, you know, like, uh, the Wrath of the Lich King expansion was levels 70 to 80. Mm -hmm. So maybe you have to be level 70 before you can go there. Because there is continuity from one expansion to another, but not so much from one zone to another. So I hope they do that. It would enable people to play whatever order they want mm -hmm. without them having to really make a whole bunch of new content. Yeah, because, I mean, still have, like, the level basic level requirement to go to a new expansion, which I completely understand. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of possible that they would do this, because frequently what Blizzard does with this game is they will introduce some new technology or some new way of making quests or some new game mechanic. They'll introduce that in one expansion, and then they'll make that a core mechanic of the next expansion. They'll make it very widespread. So maybe what they'll do is this exact thing. Which would be nice, because then people will be incentivized to see more of the world, and they'll be incentivized to play more, because they can do content that they usually uh, are the wrong level for. <laughs> Silly birdie. Mm -hmm. So that's, do we have anything else to say about WoW? I don't want to wow these people to death too much, but we played a whole bunch. I'm loving this expansion. Yeah, me too. I haven't and loved, them, I haven't loved questing like this since, for a long time. Yeah. I love and this. And there's a lot of class stuff. So you're doing a lot of stuff that's actually related to your class, which is really nice. So you get to know uh, your class lore a bit, like what your class's origins are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is true. It connects you a little bit with uh, who your character is, what your character has chosen as their and you get And you get a really nice weapon to start with, and then you can level up this weapon. So even after you hit maximum level, you still are improving your weapon every day because you get artifact power points, which then you spend to uh, you spend on one of the little incremental things. 
Yeah, it's basically another talent tree that you can spec your character with. Mm-hmm. Which is nice, because they took away some of the talents and spe- and specializations. I won't say they took away the specializations, but they they have been reducing the complexity of the game, so it's kind of neat that they're adding this thing back into it now. It's good balance. Mm-hmm. And you can get all four weapons for your... Cl- you, or three. three weapons. For me, it's four weapons, actually. Yeah, there's different specifications for each class. Like, for example, uh, a paladin can be... A, a damage dealer, a tank, or a healer. Yeah. So each of those three specializations has its own weapon. So there, there, there's a whole line of quests, and it's like this epic chain of quests that have that deal with, you know, very well known characters in the series and doing epic things, doing important things. So I've enjoyed that a lot. I did all three for my class, and they were all really fun. And they encourage you to try. And each of those classes as well. Yeah. I was I was really pathetic as a healer, but I think I was using it wrong. <laughs> um, I had to uh, spec as a tank. I had to spec as melee, healing, and range DPS to pass all my stuff. Yeah, I had no problem with my melee one. I uh, obtained my uh, ranged casting uh, weapon as my melee class, which was quite challenging because I didn't have the range to do it without getting badly injured, so it was a long plotting fight for something that's supposed to be pretty easy. And then the healing one, I tried in my melee class, and I you don't heal very well as a melee character, so uh, I had to switch to the healing spec, and uh, I didn't know all my you buttons. you died spectacularly very, several times during that one? Oh, I died 15 times or something. It was really humbling, but uh, they let you continue from where you left off. You don't have to start all the way over again. Yep. That's really it is it is really forgiving. It's pretty forgiving, but it's still challenging. It's a very it's a nice challenging game. Mm-hmm. I fe- it feels rewarding. You don't just smash a bunch. You have to fight for your life constantly. You fight for your life. You fight. Uh, it's a lot more one on one and uh, or two on one fights. Not so many. Not a lot of huge fights in this one. So yeah, because each individual enemy has a lot of health, so you can't really afford to fight too many at a time. So that means you have to be careful and uh, and uh, strategize and. Uh, not be cavalier. Yep. Although it's possible to fight multiple enemies at the same time if you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You pro- usually don't really want to, though. True. What I can do is I can fight a caster and a melee at the same time. I bring I bring the melee to the caster, silence mm-hmm. the caster, and then I uh, take and I pick off the uh, the warrior first. Mm-hmm. So, well, if we find anything else that's really unique about this expansion pack, we'll uh, mention it. But so far, we've just been enjoying doing a bunch of quests, reading a bunch of story, and leveling up our guys. Mm-hmm. Bianca just got to the maximum level yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I got there last night, and now I'm working through three quest zones at the same time. Oof, that's a lot. It's a lot. Plus, I'm trying I got, to just do one. Yeah, plus I got class, and I got profession quests. There are so many, like I said, there's just so much stuff to do, and I haven't even unlocked heroics yet, or uh, LFR, looking for uh, raid. Yep. So plenty to do, which is very nice. I feel like I'm getting my money's worth, even though they started charging more for these expansions. They used to be $40, another 50 US. But I feel like I'm getting my money's worth. I've put a lot of time into it. I've really enjoyed the stuff that I've done. It hasn't felt tedious. It's a very good game. Yep. It's as good a game as it's ever been. So good for Blizzard. They're a developer that really knows what they're doing. Yep. All right, what else have you played this week? Um, or these past two weeks? Let's see. What do I have? Well, we got that Titan Quest Anniversary Edition. Oh, I forgot to write that on here. Yeah, let's talk about that. This was a total surprise. 
I'm sure we must have talked about Titan Quest in the past by Iron Lore Entertainment, who uh, was shuttered not long after that game came out due to not very good sales. But that game has continued to sell, thanks to discounts and bundles and stuff like that, quite well over the years. And I guess that proved that there was still a market for it, because... Just this week, they released Titan Quest Anniversary Edition. For yeah, the 10th Titan Anniversary. Anniversary. Um, anniversary! Anniversary. And they released it for free for owners of the original game, which is nice, because we've certainly supported them. We both own it on Steam. We own it on disc, and we used to play together on disc, even though we kind of cheated it. The Canadian version had an English DVD and a French DVD, and everyone is supposed to own their own copy of the game, but because we had two DVDs... For the game, they both worked with the copy protection with a disc check, so we were able to, to play together. So that was nice. So, I mean, we've owned, we owned at least three copies of this game, including the expansion. Oh. So I think we've earned this yeah, anniversary edition. Yep, and we played through so many times. Although we, at first, I saw it on the store, and someone on Twitter told me that they got it for free, and we didn't have it for free. And that was a little disappointing, but we were ready to buy it on the spot because of how much we love this game. But then we saw that it was already in our library. So that was kind of a very nice surprise. So they've, uh, it looks like they've done some stability improvements. Uh, they have native, I don't remember if native widescreen was something we had to hack in or what, but it works great with widescreen on high frame rate monitors. It's a, it's sorry if we we're skipping something here. Titan Quest, by the way, is an action RPG. It's very similar to Diablo. It's probably the best non-Diablo action RPG you will find. It's very, very good. So they did a whole bunch of rebalancing because there were some balance issues with the original. It was very difficult for the first few levels because you were so underpowered. And then some classes were enormously more powerful than others during certain ranges of levels. I was famous for asking Bianca, oh, let's make new characters together. We make new characters. And we get to like level 30 and consistently she would kill like nine guys for every guy I, <laughs> I injure. I'd be like winding up my spell and she'll already have killed three guys, including the one I was targeting. It was very frustrating. So ho we haven't played too much together now, but hopefully that's solved that a little bit. I made a new uh, character and I'm quite mighty compared to how I would have been. Oh, I know. I used to, the, the, uh, the pigs used to kill me. Yeah, for whatever reason, pigs were like the, the toughest enemies that gave you the most experience. Now they're not quite as tough, but they still give you tons of experience. Mm -hmm. If you haven't played Titan Quest, this is the version you want to play. It has um, Steam Workshop support for like custom classes and levels and UI tweaks and stuff. It's really... it's And even if you don't use Steam Workshop, the game, in my opinion, did not need any enhancements. It's well, they really improved the UI. Oh, there's so many improvements that... I don't feel like I need to go into the workshop for anything right now. Probably not. I'll wait until I'll wait for a week or so. I'll see what kind of mods show up. Maybe there's little improvements that would make it a little more enjoyable to play. But I don't want to add custom classes or custom levels or anything like that. I don't think. Mm -hmm. I just want to get more out of the the game that as it is because it's such a good game. It's such a beautiful game too. It's quite beautiful. It looks. Oh, it used to eat our computers for breakfast for so many years. Yeah. We had to run it in like even when we had high rent. Even when we got our really nice LCD screens, we had to still run it in low resolution just to have it be stable. Yeah, that's right, because it has ragdoll physics and it has, uh, like, uh, shader effects and stuff like that. It was a very demanding game when it was brand new. I remember really struggling to run the demo. And then I reluctantly bought the game because I love the demo so much. And the game ran a little bit better because demos are often not patched like games are, but it was still quite a demanding game. And this one runs very smoothly. And I think it's pretty much consistently the 144 
uh, frames per second. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. If you're in the mood for a good action RPG, let me see what that what it costs. I think it's seventy five percent off right now. Yeah, if it's seventy five percent off, isn't it like six bucks Canadian? I think it was like six or seven dollars. Yeah. Uh, Twin Quest Anniversary. It is six dollars and fifty cents Canadian. It's probably five bucks US right now. I'm gonna put a link to this in the show notes. This is such a good game. It comes with the expansion pack. It has achievements. It has a whole bunch of stuff. Titan Quest Anniversary. Buy this game. This gets the official uh, Square Waves FM square thumb of approval. Beep, beep. Oh, yeah, I guess the, 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 the 63 beeps of approval. Beep, 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 beep. I thought it was 64 beeps. Now I lost count. Let's start over. Beep, 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 and so on. Yeah. Titan Quest. Buy it or you're stupid. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, what else do we play? Oh, um, I was in the mood for spacey stuff after Eve felt as insurmountable as it always does. Uh-huh. So I haven't played it yet because I have to tweak it, but I reinstalled my copy of Freelancer, the um, space combat and exploration game that has surprisingly good mouse controls, which is usually something that's not possible for games like this. Freelancer and Darkstar 1 both had great mouse controls. Um, I want to play this game some more. I play this game so, so much. I don't care. I can play this game over and over forever, basically. Freelancer is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it needs a fan patch, which gives it widescreen support and other uh, tweaks as well. So i got to figure out how to set that stuff up, but I have it installed. Um, I also played, with a fan patch, Simpsons Hit and Run. Which is, I guess, like the only good Simpson game there ever was. And I mean, there's a Simpson arcade game. I don't know if it's a good game, but it's a charming game. But Simpson Hit and Run is actually a good game. It's uh, a car game. It's sort of like Grand Theft Auto, but it's more about racing than anything else, really. Getting from one place to another within a time limit or collecting things before and someone you else turn does. The so you didn't have to deal with the time limit. Yeah, I found a fan patch which does a few things. It enables widescreen resolutions, and it does a great job of it. Um, even the uh, pre-rendered cutscenes, it zooms them in slightly so that you get full screen, uh, widescreen, as opposed to it stretching it and everybody looking super tubby. Hey, you silly birdie, what are you doing? What are you doing, baby? You gonna say hi to our podcast buddies, Joey? I don't think she's gonna talk right now. She just wants to uh, bite and snuggle. She wants to snuggle. Who is that snuggle? Yeah, baby? she's snuggling right now and trying to bite my foot. Oh, baby bird. Okay, um... So it's yeah, racing game. Uh, so the fans, the the fan patch, yeah, adds widescreen and high resolution support, and it also has a bunch of toggles. One of which is um, you can pause the countdown timer so that you don't have to frustratingly do the objectives over and over and over. I got very far in this game legitimately when I played it many years ago. Um, I don't really have the patience for it, but it's got uh, the original voice actors and the art, uh, the 3D models look really, really good. Mm-hmm. There's lots of fun unlockables. I just wanted to kind of take a leisurely tour around the game without getting too frustrated or having to master it. Uh, I'll, uh, I'm going to put in the show notes. I'll, I'll find the link to the fan patch. This guy had made all kinds of fan patches, extra cars and stuff like that, extra missions. So um, I'll uh, link to this guy's website because it's very good. Simpsons Hit and Run Fan Patch is. I will find that. Um, is that all we really played this week? 
I believe so. Hey, baby. Well, I guess the other stuff that I've played this week uh, has been while traveling, which I guess takes us to our topic. Yep. So let's go ahead and chat about this. Our topic this week is games that you play while traveling. So why don't we start with present day? So, uh, what hellhole did you drag me to last week for some family affair? I took you to Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is a smaller city in Canada. It was a nice time. It's very flat. It's very flat. It is in the prairies of Canada. Very, very, very flat. Uh, seeing a hill is a rare thing. I grew up in the prairies, so I, I enjoy that quite a bit. I think Manitoba is a very beautiful place. It's flat. It's flat. It's flat and a lot of rural farmland and stuff. But uh, this is a this is a city with uh, architecture and culture and all that kind of stuff. It has a high, a relatively high crime rate. And, Not uh, as high as Regina, which is which no, but it's pretty high up. Yeah, it's it's worse than Toronto per capita. But we didn't have any trouble anyway. We never had any trouble there. No. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we went to a wedding, and we uh, had a little bit of time for sightseeing. We went to a, the Museum of Human Rights, which is a really gorgeous, excellent, well-curated museum with a great variety of, uh, of exhibits and stuff, including uh, Samsung VR uh, video things of, what was it, Guatemala or yeah. something? You can look around at the simpler Guatemalan way of life, and how, artisans and stuff. Yeah. And uh, there was uh, some hands-on exhibits where you could interact with them, including one with a globe that you could move around <laughs> to uh, zoom into different parts of the world to hear about stories of uh, immigration and refugees. Oh, yeah, and you interacted with that real well. <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> Why don't you tell the nice people what you did and how you ruined it for everyone? Well, I walked up... Well, I, but I wasn't, because I wasn't blocking the screen. I just walked up to look at the globe. I touched the globe. I'm like, ooh. It's, I'm like, ooh, it's, it's spherical. So, I, so if I flicked my hand, and I spun the globe. It ended the video that was on screen. Yeah, apparently this globe that's in the middle of this little booth, you turn the globe to whatever's facing you. It tells you a story about a country that's facing you. So we were like 85% of the way through this video about, uh, was it Vietnamese refugees? Yeah. And uh, Bianca's like, oh, look at the globe. Let's spin it. So she does the old uh, the old showcase showdown, or the, 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 the wheel of fort. No, the uh, Price is Right big wheel spinner on it. Boop, 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 boop. And that ended the movie where it was. And uh, everybody who was watching the movie walked away. <laughs> well done. Oh, I was very ashamed. Don't worry. I was very ashamed. Very good. That's pretty funny. So, um, how did we... So, we had to take the plane there. It was only, like, a two-hour flight. Yeah. Uh, but leaving, we got stuck on the tarmac because uh, Pearson managed to have uh, 15 airplanes going on the runway at the same time. And this is a busy international airport. And this Oh, is well, that's, that's nothing for them. True, but usually you You're don't talking have... like it was something. We were, it was, like, a 10-minute delay. It was obnoxious. Uh, sure it was. Well, you're, you weren't the one sitting between uh, two people doing this, you know, all squished together. Because <laughs> I'm stuck with some tub, some lardy tub of husband on one side. Not a tub. And some mystery stupid woman on the other side with her book. <laughs> stupid woman and her book? I how know. dare she entertain herself on a plane? I know. How well, dare she? How dare she? Well, let's talk about entertaining ourselves on a plane then. What did you bring to entertain yourself on this plane? I brought two books, which is very little for me. Because I used to bring 
Way more books. My app. We were on the plane for like a total of four hours. How many books can you read in four hours? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> how many of your books did you read? I read part of one of mine. Mm-hmm. And you brought how many? Two. Yeah. Two George R. R. Martins. Clash of Kings and... Uh, and... Uh, and what was it? The Storm of Swords. A prophet of bookstores. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and but when, what else did you do on the plane? Well, that was on the way back, but on the way there... You took a plane on the way back as well, I am presuming. True. <laughs> on the way back, I decided to put some uh, chair art in. I decided to do some chair, uh, or at least uh, some barf bag art. Chair art. <laughs> yes, Bianca drew uh, budgies on the barf bags. What happened was on the way there, I saw something in my uh, in the compartment in the uh, pocket in front of in the chair in front of me. So I left it up. Someone had written some really hokey, touchy feeling crap about faith on it. So I wrote my smarmy ass that faith is just a bunch of bunch of horseshit. I found a nice way of writing it, of course. <laughs> but basically, I said faith is a bunch of horseshit. And then on the way back, I drew the budgies of the sky will make sure that you have a cloudless flight. Yeah, I took pictures. We'll uh, put that in the show notes. And he already tweeted them, so if you've seen the tweets, good. But what you also did on the on the way back was watched a movie through the uh, through an app that was available by connecting by having the uh, WestJet Wi-Fi enabled. Well, you had to have downloaded the app. On your own mm-hmm. before the flights take off, took off or before they told you to disable your network stuff. So one nice thing is that we're finally past the days where you can't have any electronic devices operating before and during takeoff. You can now do that stuff before you had to turn off all of your electronic devices, including like a, a you know a headset or whatever, while you were taking off and landing. But now you can have small electronics. They just ask you to turn off large electronics. So they encourage everyone to download the app while you're uh, taxiing. Mm-hmm. And then you take off, and then they had, like, a, instead of having uh, screens on the backs of the chairs, they had a Wi-Fi network where you could stream TV and movies, and you could get internet access. The, uh, this, the, uh, the TV and movies were free, as well as satellite TV, which gave you news. Yeah, it was a limited time thing. I guess they wanted everyone to try it out. So you watched some of Aladdin on your phone. Yeah. Some or most. Yeah. And that seemed to work pretty well, except it had no closed captions. No, but uh, with headphones, I could keep the volume as loud or quiet as I needed it. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was good picture quality and everything. It was. So that's pretty neat. Well, me... I have a bird on my lip. It's good. You lip the bird while I, while I flap my gums about what I did. Whenever I'm traveling, I always prepare way too much stuff, because I want to be able to choose between a few things. Hi, bird. Um, so I brought my uh, Windows 10 tablet. It's a HP Stream 8, 8-inch tablet, quite low-powered, but it runs uh, both Windows 10 uh, like mobile apps as well as uh, the native x86 uh, applications like any other computer would. So I brought a variety of those things. I brought some simple Windows uh, app games to play just uh, for a quick pick up and play. Uh, the one that I played more than any other was Windows Solitaire, which is really, really good. Yeah, I like Windows Solitaire a lot. It's a good it's a good application. It's good. It's very good. They took out 
some or all of the ads as well. There used to be ads in Windows 8. Not anymore. It's really good. Um, and I also installed from Telltale's website um, the uh, Strong Bad games that I have played the first one and I played like the fourth one or something because I bought it on Wii but I haven't played the whole series so I put those on the on the tablet I didn't enjoy playing those on the tablet this tablet it's an inexpensive tablet it doesn't have the best touchscreen technology so because that game was designed for a mouse on a large screen there were some things you had to point out and click with quite uh, with quite a lot of precision and I didn't have that with my finger on this crappy uh, touchscreen. Mm -hmm. So I got frustrated with that. It performed okay. So it's a shame that I wasn't able to play it. I'd love to play some uh, LucasArts or Sierra games on this thing. Probably LucasArts and not Sierra because uh, it's a little frustrating typing on this little tablet. It, it, I could get, buy a keyboard, but I, I probably won't bother. True, but you could do a later era stuff from Sierra. Sierra games? I could. And I tried to find games that... Uh, needed left mouse button clicks, but not really right mouse button clicks. So I thought the Telltale games would be good for that. The early Telltale games, anyway. Um, but those ones I find need more precision than the newer ones. Apparently so, they do. It's true. So, um... That didn't work out so well, so that was a shame. Mm -hmm. Um... And I didn't bring, uh... I didn't bring a Nintendo DS or anything on the plane with me this time. We just no. traveled light, so I had a, my phone and my tablet, and that was it. So that's how we entertained ourselves this time. What else have you entertained yourself with in the past while uh, traveling? Hmm. I brought a tablet and I've uh, had uh, show. I put shows on it. Mm -hmm. I've uh, put music on my phone. Oh, I'll uh, I'll uh, do you one better. Mm -hmm. So before I had uh, a smartphone, we had MP3 players, just dedicated MP3 players. Yep. One that I liked was made by Creative, called the Zen. Creative Zen. That was a really good player with really nice sound quality. I think I had one, too. Yeah, you had one, too. We both had one. A little square black thing. Yeah. It was a great player. I, I own two of them. Um, I think I bought one with bigger capacity, or I forget if my first one broke, but it was all it solid state. Broke. Yeah, I used it every day. I used it in the car. I used it walking around. I really love that little thing. Um, so it had a small LCD screen on it. It must have been, I don't know, like 300 by 200 pixels or something like that. It was quite low resolution uh, LCD screen. However, and, and the whole thing was how big the screen. It must have been like an inch and a half by an inch or something, if that. It was a teeny tiny little screen. But when I used to travel for work a bunch, I would put shows and movies on that little one inch screen and watch them on there. I even went so far. The stupidest things I put on there oh, was... I remember you compressing stuff so much. Yeah, I had to use applications to compress it and convert it to a compatible format. It took a lot of work. I would download YouTube videos, for example, and compress those so that I could watch them later. Um, so the dumbest things that I put on there, one was watching anime on there. So it required subtitles. So usually the subtitles that you, put, you see on your TV are like one inch. But uh, the whole screen was one inch, so the subtitles were teeny tiny, but the screen was good enough that I could actually read them, so that was neat. And I had to find anime that had the subtitles rendered right into the video. It couldn't be a subtitle file or anything. I watched JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and I enjoyed it very much on that tiny screen. The other ridiculous thing I watched on my Creative Zen MP3 player was strategy videos for Wrath of the Lich King uh, Ice Crown Citadel bosses, raid bosses. Mm-hmm. So this is when we were, for many months, trying to get through the Ice Crown Citadel raid in World of Warcraft, and every boss that we beat was, like, miraculous. 
So I would download videos from YouTube with strategies on how you defeat these bosses, and I would render them and convert them so that they were playable on my teeny tiny one-inch screen, and I would study them. I would watch them while I was on the plane to and from uh, business conferences and mm -hmm. customers and stuff. That was quite something. Yeah, that was pretty hardcore. That's the last time you ever really did that. Because you never really watched strategy videos for that game, for uh, World of Warcraft since. Yeah, not really. Well, I mean, we started with the next expansion a little bit, Cataclysm, and we couldn't find a good guild, so we got out of the habit of raiding, and never, I never got back into it. That was how many years ago now? That was many years ago now. Many Five, years. six years? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't do that anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, I forgot something to mention something that I did on this trip. Which was, I copied some... Uh, Mission TV, Hill. Yeah, some cartoons, TV shows onto my tablet. And because my tablet has uh, a case on it, like a folding thin case, I was able to use that to suspend from the seat in front of me so I could watch it as if it were a screen on the back of my chair. So that was nice. That is nice. Whereas Bianca kind of diagonally wedged her phone into that same little slot, so she was kind of watching diagonal news for a while. Donald Trump doesn't look any any more handsome at 45 degrees. <laughs> um, okay, what else? What else? Let's go back a little bit more then. Uh, handheld games. Yeah, I know that we brought um, our very first D uh, Nintendo DS on our honeymoon. Oh, our original Game Boy? Yeah. No, our original Game Boy and... Oh, and our original DS. Yeah. Yeah, we had just bought the DS for our honeymoon nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And we bought... New Super Mario Brothers and Mario, Mario Kart. Kart. And they were both remarkably expensive, and I did not enjoy either of them as much as the price warranted. And we paid like $90 for those two games. True. They were not worth it. No, they weren't. But we played many, many games on those things. Um, I Even when I had business trips to Quebec, it had like uh, French flashcard uh, vocabulary games that I would play on there just to help me order from restaurants and stuff and look like a big shot. And they worked. We played lots of, uh, or I played lots of Phoenix Wright on the planes, though, because those are perfect for a plane. Lots of reading. They take a long time. You can lose yourself in them. And uh, you don't have to pay attention to speech or anything that you have to hear over plane engines. You just have to enjoy the music. Uh, but yes, we did bring the original Game Boy with us on our uh, honeymoon. And we didn't bring that many games. I think we just brought, like, two games. We brought Tetris, I think. But what I played more than anything else was uh, Legend of Zelda... What's the Game Boy one? Link to the Past. Link's Awakening. Link to the Past was for Super Nintendo. Link's Awakening I played, which is an excellent game. It feels just like yeah. the Super Nintendo Zelda game. But it only has two buttons, and it's... Uh, well, it only has four shades of uh, green, greenish gray. <laughs> you put the bird away. Yep, I'm doing so that. that 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 Game Boy was like twenty years old already, and it lasted us very well for that whole trip, even though it took a whole bunch of batteries. Um, and sadly, our original, my original Game Boy died not long after that. It doesn't turn on anymore. What a shame. I still, mine still works. And it wasn't backlit, so I could only play it in certain lighting condi conditions, but. Uh, the, there were many good games for that extremely limited, very low-powered device, and it was very portable, despite the batteries that it requires. Mm-hmm. So let's go back a little further. Yes. Same year. 
before we got the uh, Diaz. Okay. I was on a road trip to Quebec. I had a couple of novels. A couple of novels. By which I mean... uh, (laughs) Sixteen. No, I think I had like five or six with me. Uh Uh-huh. And I distinctly remember my cousin having People Magazine and other... And kind of a couple of trashy tabloids. Mm Mm-hmm. I asked her why she why she was interested. No, she goes, I don't want to think. <laughs> I'm sure she succeeded. <laughs> oh, but, she just brought books. Is that it? Yep, that was that was uh, the lot. The first time I had traveled without any uh, sort of electronic mm-hmm. since I had gotten my Game Boy as a child. Well, I should mention then when we went to uh, Lanark, Ontario a few weeks ago. We already talked about it, but I'll just mention it again because it is a travel game. We're going to Ottawa next week, next weekend, so we'll play the rest of this game. It is Codename Cygnus, which is very much like a choose-your-own-adventure twine kind of a game that you control with your voice, optionally. Mm-hmm. You can it will say, do you want to... Uh, you want to drive your car over the overpass or under the bridge? Say overpass or bridge, and you say one or the other, and then the story continues along that line and tells you what the ramifications of your choices are. So that's a really cool way of uh, playing a game without having to interact with a screen at all. Look at a screen. Very cool idea. So we only played the first chapter of that just because we were enjoying each other's company by some miracle. I know. Imagine that. I know. So we've got eight or nine or ten hours in the car, depending on traffic, next weekend. So we'll uh, play some more of that, maybe finish it off. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, and that was the game that that was the game uh, company made uh, that has uh, Dave Grossman, formerly of uh, LucasArts, co-designer of Day of the Tentacle. He is their chief creative officer. And this game is like $3. It's like a dollar a chapter or $3 for eight chapters or something. So we bought the whole thing. So we'll play that next week and we'll let our fine listeners know how we like it. Um, so... Here's a pretty old school one that I have on here. I used to... I don't know where I got my first one of these, but I used to buy them for every single uh, road trip road trip and plane trip that I would take uh, in the 80s and maybe early 90s uh, with my family. And these were known as Yes and No, K-N-O-W. Um, they were these activity puzzle books that came with this uh, invisible ink pen. It wasn't really an invisible ink pen, but... It um, the book had a whole bunch of uh, fields in it. It would like ask a question, and then there would be like an underlined blank where the answer was. And you would use your little invisible ink pen on it, and you would scribble on it, and it would reveal some ink that is not visible until you scribble this other pen on it. It makes some kind of a reaction. And uh, so some of them were just you would guess, and then you would scribble on it, and it would confirm whether or not your guess was correct. Some of them would be like a lottery or like a match uh, find find the missing thing so you'd have to like scribble in certain places and you either win or you lose and it had tic-tac-toe games where you would have to plot where you want to put your your piece and you would scribble to see uh, whether the the uh, your opponent which whose moves were already like predetermined in this book had guessed one way or the other um there were uh, scribble to find things that are wrong with this picture. There, There is a huge variety of uh, activities that you could do in these. There were like mysteries that you had to solve. I love these so much. Partially because of how fun and funny the activities were but also because of how much fun it was to scribble on these things with this invisible ink pen that only worked on this booklet and like nowhere else. Otherwise it made like a very light, kind of a highlightery pale yellow on a page. So I loved those. 
just for nostalgia's sake, I took a look to see if they were still available, and it looks like they're not in publication anymore, but you can buy them. Uh, well, don't buy it used, because once someone uses it, it's uh, you can only do it once ever. But uh, they were expensive. I'd love to find one. Yeah. yeah did you ever see these things? Did you, were you familiar yes. with these? Yes, I did. My mother, so usually, uh, I did. I would. I didn't. I would uh, only get like one or two ever. I think like a year, even though we traveled frequently. Mm-hmm. Typically, my entertainment was pick out a couple of comic books and novels. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was done packing. It became a running joke that my suitcase was 20% clothing, 80% entertainment. Yep, yep. Mostly books, comics. Um, I think I even at one point started carrying uh, pen and paper with me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I brought any sort of... I don't think I ever brought puzzles with me. But I did bring uh, toys that I could play with. I had... I, I know one year, I, I know like a couple of times I would bring... Uh, I brought dolls with me, or, um, <laughs> what else? I had Polly Pocket that I would bring and play in that car. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you could, those were not exactly the best car things, because the pieces were so small, and you could lose the, uh, you could lose Polly. Yeah, that's right. Wasn't that the whole thing about them, was that they were tiny? Yeah. Yeah, Pocket. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, gee, what else? Uh, we listened to a lot of my parents' music in the car. We listened to lots of Beatles. Yep. Listened to a lot of, uh... All these music with my parents. I can I know. Let's see. My mother would listen to whatever, whatever was on the radio that played her music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark always played Rush. Mm-hmm. That would be my mother's second husband, and my dad would play Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones, or he let me pick the music. Mm. I remember for the longest time when I had my mini disc player, I had the cassette that went with it, and so I would stick my cassette in his uh, in his uh, tape deck and play my music that way. Oh yeah, yeah, the converter. Yeah, I actually retained that converter long enough to you to to last through a couple of cell phones as well and play uh, MP3s. Hmm. Unless I don't know what happened to it because I. And otherwise, I would I'd encourage my father to actually use it to play music off his phone because he has a car where the only way you can play an MP3 is to have this this uh, converter from the mini disc player. <laughs> it's pretty old. Yeah, but then again, it's not like you're getting any better music quality when the back speakers is blown. Yeah. The driver's side window doesn't open. Yeah, that thing's on its last legs. Poor and car. it chugs going uphill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But so many fun memories of stick of uh, plugging in my mini disc player. I don't think I plugged my music players into my car until they had. Did I have an adapter? Maybe I did have a tape adapter. I don't remember now. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I waited until my car had a line in. I've used that extensively. It was only recently that I stopped using it because I got a Bluetooth thing. Mm-hmm. There must be something else we can talk about. Uh, travel activities. You had a you had a discman and a uh, walkman, right? Yeah, I had all of those things. Did you oh. make, make mm-hmm. tapes specifically for the road? Um, no, I don't think so. I did have a lot of mixtapes, but never specifically for one thing or another, really. I sometimes made new ones for the road because I didn't want to listen to the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, one another thing that I like and doing. I uh, kind of wore oh. out one of my favorite tapes that way. I had only a few tapes. Otherwise, I uh, had to make mixtapes. Oh, I had lots of them. I would bring lots and lots of tapes with me everywhere I went, but especially on I trip. had mostly mixtapes that I made from various sources. Mm. Well, yeah, I had I had combinations of commercial and and uh, dubbed tapes. I had lots of commercial tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I did that was like pen and papery was Mad Libs. Did you ever do Mad Libs? Mm. I love those. No, I never did Mad Libs. Oh no, do you know what they are? Yes. For those who don't know, Mad Libs are. Um, it's a story with a bunch of uh, blanks in it. So before you read the story, it says. Write in a noun, write in a verb, write in an adjective, write in the names of three people. And then you plug them in on the next page. So you have to supply these things without knowing what the topic of the story was. Or maybe it gives you the name of the story, but it doesn't tell you any details. And so it's really ludicrously silly because it makes no sense with all the silly things that you put in. So, of course, you get bonus points for using really foul language. (laughs) Um... Later on, I, I love Mad Libs a lot, just as a really silly, kind of a jokey thing. Later on, the, that became... It was one of the first uh, computer programs I ever wrote, was like a Mad Libs thing. I made it in BASIC, because it's basically about uh, taking user input into variables and then outputting the value of the variables in the middle of a print statement. So that was a, that was a, a, one of the gateways into programming for me, just because it was... The first things I learned were how to take input from the keyboard and how to print it out, and how to print a message on the screen, so... I put those together, and that was Mad Libs. Um, the only other thing I can really think of is lugging around uh, the old Pentium 75, is it? Or a Pentium 60, the big white clunker of a laptop, and playing Jones on the Fast Lane when we went to bed and breakfast <laughs> and stuff. Oh, that was so much fun. That was charming. I like <laughs> sitting in bed playing Jones on the Fast Lane with you. Mm. Not the talkie. We had to do our own talking, I guess. We didn't have yeah. that fancy CD-ROM stuff. The computer doesn't even have a CD-ROM drive. It has an external one. Mm-hmm. Did you, and I, I know, did you, you always had, obviously had CD wallets as well. Did you, uh, before, like, when, uh, did you routinely change out what was in your CD wallet if you are going on a road trip? Um, uh, no, most of our road trips were just with audio cassettes and... When I had CD players, we tended to have a trunk CD changer. So we would just put in like six CDs and then listen to whatever was back there and change them when we pulled over. I did have a CD uh, in my in our car now. There's a CD uh, uh, drive, whatever you call it, a motorized uh, CD player. Mm-hmm. But uh, I only listened to that for a little while. I would like burn podcasts onto the, onto CD and insert them into the car and then throw them in the garbage. And then I felt terrible because of how much waste that was. True. Oh, you know, speaking of stuff you threw in a car, why don't you tell our listeners about uh, the CD changer in your trunk and the uh, complete pile of rubbish in there that you called music? <laughs> oh, whatever. I have lots of... I, ha- I would have lots and lots of electronic music and stuff in my trunk. So much. I would usually have like 20 or 30 CDs in my trunk. Same story for when I'm traveling. I always over-prepare, so... I brought way more music than I could ever want. Mm-hmm. Or I could ask someone, what kind of music do you like? And I would have it in the trunk. And that made me feel like a big wig. Okay. So I did. I took poor care of these CDs. They would be all over the place. They would be in the wrong cases. They would be in no cases and just scraping around on the carpeted interior of the trunk. Mm-hmm. I was not very responsible. It would have been better if I had the CD wallets on my rear view uh, window shade and stuff like that. Yeah, you, it would have been responsible, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Is that all we got? I don't know, but I do spy with my little eye 
something that is blue. Um, that's something that we played in the car. I don't know. Use dental flossers. I don't know. Scissors. Um, how about the? Uh, oh, the waveform and yeah. audacity. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> yes, that's something that we did. That's that's a good way to condescend to your children and make them pissed off in a very short amount of time. If you have unruly kids and you want to play a game with them, it's a good way to entertain them for about thirty-eight seconds. Uh-huh. Maybe more. It was a simpler time back then. I'm sure we played I Spy for some time. And Road bingo and all that kind of stuff. License plate bingo. Yep. And punch buggy. Uh, I never really did that one. I learned that one from my That was my friends. mother's favorite. So, oh, uh, and the car got kind of violent. My dad, so that's why my, that's why my dad hated it. We ne- I was never allowed doing that in his car. It's not a, yeah, it's not really the kind of game you want to play in a car. Nope. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, along with I Spy, there was also, um, you did, uh, What Am I? or 20 Questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. Mm-hmm. And, and, and eventually it got to the point where you're not allowed to make picking obscure stuff. Not all of us with dictionaries. <laughs> That's how you win the game. Exactly. Yeah, we played plenty of that. Oh, and by the way, yeah, if you guys haven't seen it before, I believe the website is 20q.net. Yeah, it's this incredible 20 questions uh, engine with, like, so much user-inputted content. 20q.net. Oh, cool. You can finally think in Canadian. What? Choose. Play classic 20q by choosing the language below. Oh, do they have Canadian spelling? Canadian English? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's so rare that you find a product with Canadian English. It's funny that this is one of them. But they have logos on here for Marvel, Star Wars, and Doctor Who now. It started off as such a humble little thing, as you can still see in the layout of the website. So that's pretty cool how popular they got. That they actually uh, yeah, you even have that stuff. little device there that uh, you can play with manually with your stuff between you and a computer. Yeah. Well, we'll call out uh, Joe Mastriani here. Hi, Joe. <laughs> 20q.net. You can click Star Wars, and I'm sure you'll teach it a thing or two. But it's <laughs> it's a fun way to... Uh, you just tell it the category of a thing that you want, and you can guess questions towards something. I bet he'd be good mm-hmm. at that. Or my other favorite was, uh, would you rather A... Or B. Oh, my mom loves that game. I don't, I don't, I don't. I never understood the allure of that. Is the idea is that you want to, is uh, you want to get the person to think about which is the least offensive thing of the two that they yeah. would rather have. What's the worst thing they're willing to do based on the circumstances? <laughs> what a productive game. I think that's all I got. How about you? Mm, that's mostly what I got, and of course there is always the. There was always my mother's car, which was listening to two hens cackle while I sat in the backseat with my cousin. That's not fun. No, it's not. That's why I learned, that's what that's when you learn to uh, pass the uh, electronics back and forth and share books. Mm-hmm. Well, I would sit in the backseat with my sister, and we got along pretty well on car rides. We were pretty well behaved in car rides, now that you think about it, considering our meager... Our meager electronics and uh, time wasters of the day. Mm-hmm. It's another story nowadays. Now you got to mm-hmm. beg your kids to make noise, I'm sure, in the car. They're so busy with their phones, etc. I'm sure the uh, parents of the 80s and 90s would love for that mm-hmm. quiet. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. 
So is that that? Yep. So it makes us... So... And considering now what I'm going to bring in the car to Ottawa, but I guess we don't really need to bring anything because we'll have our uh, interactive fiction on uh, Brian's phone. Yeah, that's probably enough entertainment for for most of one way. Yep. But we'll, we'll bring something else. Oh, but we'll music. spend another, we'll spend, you know, 10 hours picking out music. Oh, I get to hear your music four seconds at a time per song for three hours? Oh, it's excruciating. I will just trust your judgment. Find, like, five or six albums that... Woohoo! Yay! Free range! ...that I won't hate, and I will do the same, and we'll see how it goes. Okay. Better than uh, my uh, than, than, uh, music roulette, eh? Oh, I don't want to be here when you do that, please. It hurts. All right, folks, thank you very much for listening. Um, we'd love to hear what uh, you guys do on long uh, trips, what you do or have done today or as a kid. Um, let us know. You can reach us on the web, squarefm.demodulated.com, by email, squarefm at demodulated.com, and on Twitter, we are at squarewavesfm. So, good to talk to you. We'll uh, catch you again, probably not next week because we're out of town, but maybe the week after that. Yep. Next week I get to wear I have to wear another dress and and uh, stand there looking pretty and smile for photos. I'm uh-huh. not happy. Uh huh. And give a speech, of course. Of course. And I got to sit there with a bunch of people I don't know. Sounds like a good time. And we got to drive five hours each way for the p- privilege. Yep. Yippity ding dong. All right. Well, have a good one, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye bye.